you, me, and CBD. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for another episode where we learn about CBD. But what we have found is I like having control from beginning to end so I can always ensure the product is exactly what we say it is. Hi, Danelle. Hi, Richard. How are you doing? I think we do that every time. I'm almost certain you say hello to me every time. As we get going and talking about this, we have a fun and uh, hopefully enjoyable episode for people to listen to. And I would like to say unique. This is really a unique experience, what is going to uh, proceed here today. I agree. So let's just dive right into it and tell them why it is unique. Where are we? We are sitting at Farmer and Chemist Labs. They, uh, this is where everything is created, built, formulated, and uh, made safe for consumption. And as we kind of look around the uh, the laboratory, we have no idea what we're looking at, right? Right. right. But but before we get the Blake and everyone else involved, what right. do you think we're looking at? Okay, well, we're in a very clean space. Uh, The ceilings are probably 45 feet tall and uh, lots of tubes and machinery that's connected to uh, different, I don't know, pipes and uh, each other. And and I hear they're worth like small fortunes, uh, not only small fortunes, large fortunes. You know, I, I look around and I see some scales. I yeah. see some. I see some things that are, um, you know, that might uh, shake or mix things. Right. And I also see workers. Workers. People who, people who are busy uh, make things happen here. Right. Right. So as we're, what is the name of the episode that we're going to be that we want to kind of focus on? Hi, everybody, and welcome to Field to Formulation. That's what we're doing today. And and farmer farmer and chemist is the manufacturer of the products of the CBD products that we make, right? That's correct. And, and so, it's pretty exciting. And we're at the Made in America. We're at the lab. These guys know what goes into it. They know what comes out, and they know how it tests. And I think it's like. For me, it's kind of mind-blowing. This is where I'm going to bring Blake in because I want to talk about CBD specifically and numbers that are associated with uh, the, the amount of, of dollar figures that might have come out in CBD. So, Blake, can you just kind of share that with us? So, after the 2018 Farm Bill passed, uh, hemp and CBD exploded. And it has been going up every year. And um, the latest report I saw for 2023 was $22 billion in the hemp and CBD industry. If I could have one-tenth of that, I would be really, really happy. Okay, one-eighth, one-third, one uh, one-quarter. One, one okay, what, let's jump one-half. We don't ask for much, do we? No. Yeah. Well, okay. So that's a little bit of the background. So now with that as the foundation, as we're in the lab and as we're trying to get a sense of how product goes from the field to the formulation, to the formulation, to the consumer, let's just kind of dive into that a little bit and maybe introduce who is here with us. Well, guess what? It's the same group, except we're all in the lab. It's very exciting. We have Jeff Dunn. Blake Smith, chemist. This is where he lives. 
and Doug Burgoyne. How would we like to dive into uh, our field trip today at the oh, lab? Very clever. Let's start with the field, Richard. Nice. <laughs> Blake, I think it's, uh, that's your cue to tell us about the field. We have these what we call mother plants, and mother plants then get used to make clones, and we take clones from those plants, and then we get rootings and so forth, and then we use those clones to fill up fields and greenhouses, depending on what species we particularly want. And you do different varieties or species based on the different cannabinoid content or other characteristics that you want. So are we talking a marijuana plant? It is. It is a cannabis sativa plant. And there is no difference really between that and what people consider to be medical marijuana or anything else, except for what chemicals the plant itself is producing. In the case of hemp, it's a cannabis sativa plant that has higher enzymatic activity to produce CBD and CBC and other minor cannabinoids, whereas traditionally in marijuana, it produces THC. Okay, so based on what he just said, Doug, Jeff, can you break it down and simplify that even more? I think the best way to describe it uh, is to say hemp versus marijuana is the same plant, if we're talking about broadest terms, the difference comes into the THC content. So according to the 2018 Farm Bill, if there is less than 0.3% THC that grows naturally in the plant, then it's hemp. And if there's more than 0.3% THC, then it's marijuana. And then there's the differentiation of the minor cannabinoids, but that's the easiest way for me to think about it. And just to build on that last point, as a reminder, when we say CBD, we collectively just refer to all of this as CBD, which is a little bit of a misnomer because CBD is one cannabinoid. Uh, THC is a cannabinoid. CBC uh, is uh, a cannabinoid. CBN is a cannabinoid. So how I would simplify it is, again, we want specific products with certain cannabinoids minus THC. And so we're growing the plants in a way that gives us those specific cannabinoid mixes. That's so, nice. yeah, that is nice. And, and it's mostly accurate. <laughs> um, the, the one thing I would say is it's, you have to actually take it and manufacture to start isolating the specific cannabinoids you want because um, most plants have multiple cannabinoids in them. And so this is where you're talking about whole hemp products versus, you know, just one single cannabinoid. And so what I think is you hit the nail on the head is we grow the specific varieties to be able to make the products that we want so that, and we remove the things we don't want. Okay. So as we kind of focus in on the lab here, is that where this happens? It is. Um, one last thing I want to say about farming it is, has a lot of similarities to other things that you would grow, hay and anything else. In hay, you're trying to get you know, protein content so you can feed your animals. We're trying to get increased cannabinoid content. So we have micronutrients and soil and water and how you think about growing, how much light do you have, and, and it's, there's a lot of science that goes into agriculture. And, and so I've, 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 I've heard frequently regarding the growing of cannabis, that 
it has a tendency to really absorb what is in the soil. Yeah, hemp hemp can be used as a remediator for soil. So you have a super fun site full of nasty metals, you can plant hemp and it'll pull everything in. This is why it becomes really important knowing where your hemp comes from, who's growing it, what field does it come from, what micronutrients, are they spraying it for bugs, what pesticides are being used. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. So in a farmer and chemist product, where where is the plant grown? So um, without getting too specific, we have multiple fields that are located in Utah. And then we have a couple growing partners that grow the types of strains um, that we also want. And so those growing partners, we provide testing for the soil. We provide testing for the water. We also provide the variety we want them to grow. And then we buy their whole um, harvest. Essentially. So, so it sounds like there's a lot that goes into it even before it gets here to the lab. Correct. It typically takes about four months. To what? To go from a start that we cut from the mother all the way to where we're ready to start grinding it up and turning it into what we do in this facility. And is it seasonal? Um, in a greenhouse, you can get a couple turns a year. In a fully closed facility, you can do multiple turns at the same time. In an outdoor, you get typically in Utah, you'll get one a year. There's a couple places where you can get two a year. And then on a, is there a supply demand? Have they figured out that balance yet? No. Um, some years there's way too much in the market and some years there's not enough. But the way that we think about it at Farmer and Chemist is we grow what we need to make the products that we need. That's pretty cool. I, yeah, you should be like, yeah, I know. It's so cool. <laughs> it's like, great. Hey, Danielle, it's amazing. It's awesome. It's so um, awesome. Well, no, it really, I don't know that, I, hey, look, this listening audience, myself, this is not like a topic for me every day. So it's, it's a learning experience, which, sure. which is really cool. Um, are you using our any hydroponics or is it all, it's all uh, field or dirt? Uh, everything, everything is dirt. And the reason, and I will even go further and say it is dirt that we put very specific micronutrients in and treat in a very particular way to get the outcome that we want. Um, we're not big into spraying pesticides. In fact, we don't use any pesticides in any of my grow facilities that we're currently at. Um, and well, because you'd have to try and get rid of them, right? We would have to somehow remediate the pesticides to get rid of them. Um, and, and look, there's there's lots of smart people out there growing all kinds of things. But what we have found is I like having control from beginning to end, so I can always ensure the product is exactly what we say it is. What is it that uh, what Blake was talking about, or is there something else that really kind of drew you to the idea of this is what's going to separate or differentiate farmer and chemists from so many other competitors or so many other in this industry? I would summarize it very succinctly by saying we want to know what we are giving people from A to Z. So everything is a known quantity known entity and it's not guesswork and so people can feel 100% confident that uh, again what Blake said what's in the product is what's supposed to be in the product. Yeah I think to add to that as pharmacists uh, we know what good manufacturing looks like in the pharmaceutical space. 
Blake also knows that and has a ton of experience there. And so we felt like the CBD space needed to be treated just like a pharmaceutical in terms of knowing what the raw materials are and where they come from, how pure they are, how the process works, and then making sure that the final product to our customers has the exact same purity and other specifications that we would expect from a major pharmaceutical manufacturer. So that's what we try to provide. We know everything about the step. We know Blake's expertise and his team that works with him. And we're confident that what we're selling has exactly what we say it has, only what we say it has, and nothing that will harm someone. And to build off what Blake said earlier, this has been around for thousands of years, but it's only been legal since 2018. And like most things... Uh, when the government gets involved and regulates things, the, the the legalization was well ahead of the regulation. And so uh, we want to be in the front end of that and, again, make sure that we're compliant and we'll be compliant in the future as we get uh, better, uh, really get our hands around this better as an industry and kind of clean up some of the wild, wild west stuff and make sure that, uh, you know, again, there's the bad players are really not, um, you know, viable. So, so Jeff, that's an extremely good point, um, and it's well taken. Look, anytime you have an industry that's worth billions of dollars, everybody wants to jump in. Everybody wants to make some hay while the sun is shining, right? And since we're talking agriculture, I think that was that's a good point. Well done, <laughs> right? Thank you. <laughs> but the point is, um, because of that, though, you know, a lot of people are just trying to sell, and their end goal is money. Look, we all like and need money. Okay, I get that. But that's not the mission statement or that's not the mission goal for farmer and chemists. We're really trying to make better products that enhance people's lives and make their lives better. And so whether rain or shine or whatever else, we're still producing products in a way that we think has the best medicinal value for people despite whatever the trends are. Because a lot of people will try to make stuff cheaper by buying stuff from out of state or they'll buy it from out of country that doesn't regulate the same way. I mean, everything that Jeff said is, is absolutely true. When we talk about it being the Wild West, it's because I bought some hemp seed off some dude and I grew a bunch and now I'm, you know, I didn't test my water. I didn't test anything. Oh yeah, we sprayed it with, you know, horrible stuff. But don't worry, they don't test for that in the United States. So it's not going to show up on any test that I use by a fly-by-night you know, lab anyway, like we eliminated that to Doug's point. This is, we treat this like pharmaceuticals and we control it all the way from the beginning to the end to get the outcome of making people's lives better. So how do I know that's true? I mean, you say it, but is there a way that it can be documented? Okay. This one I know it's lab tested, right? (laughs) And there's a, a uh, certificate of a, Approval. No. Analysis. Analysis, that too. COA is one thing, but also really at the end of the day, this is where we start talking about how to be a GMP facility, a good manufacturing facility. Is that where we are today? Yes, we are. So um, a good manufacturing facility will have rules and SOPs in place. So you can track every single plant that we have all the way through the entire process until it comes out in its final form. So we can trace not just, you know, 
for the lab testing alone, but we can trace it through the entire system as it goes from step to step to step. And because we have analysis capabilities, we also test it at every step. But we cannot certify our own material, which comes back to your point, Danelle. We have to send it out to somebody who has been ISO and GLP certified, good laboratory practices, to ensure that it meets the highest quality of standard of testing. So what's the worst that could happen? Say there's all kinds of CBD out there and we don't know. I mean, what, what could happen? People try it and it doesn't work. I mean, I think that's the short answer. So we say that all the time is we would love to have people try our product. So that's how I would answer that question is, you know, give something, give our product a try. It has a better chance of working than other things you may have tried. Add to add to that, Richard, there are some terrible things that could happen. Uh, what if you use a tincture and you drop some CBD oil under your tongue and it's laden with heavy metals and you, now you're absorbing some of those or pesticides and these tiny little chemicals that you can't see as Blake said, are not tested for, and all of a sudden you use this every night, and within a couple of months you're like, oh, I just don't feel good anymore. Maybe it's because you're ingesting a ton of pesticide and all these other chemicals. So there are some terrible things that can come from buying product that is untrustworthy because of its origins, which are really opaque in this industry, and we're trying to change that by saying... Like Blake said, we can tell you where a plant was grown, what happened to it, and then we have the benefit, not just of our own testing and independent third-party lab testing, but the state of Utah also tests our product. So there's this triple check on everything that we sell, and we sell the same stuff online as we sell in our store. And so there's a pretty big difference between farmer and chemist purity and what others might claim as pure CBD. I think the scariest thing that can happen also, and I support everything that was just said, but the other thing is one of the reasons we also call it the wild West sometimes is because during the manufacturing process, you can use heat, you can use, you know, different other chemicals, you do different processes. And during that process, you can inadvertently make things from those cannabinoids that are no longer the right cannabinoid. I mean, one of the things that I think is so interesting is if you look at distillate, distillate is the oil, purified oil form that's out there. And that distillate can be used to make a lot of products. And it has lots of cannabinoids in it, and it has other oils in it as well. And that's straight from the plant. Um, you, If you heat up distillate in certain temperatures, all of a sudden some of those cannabinoids convert to something else. And some of those things are not tested for because no one even knows to test for them now. And so, you know, when a distillate percentage is 85% cannabinoids, that means 15% of what's in that oil is unknown. Wow. And that's crazy, because when we start talking about pharmaceutical-level things, anything that would be below 98 would start to, you know, at least raise an eyebrow. And so processes make a difference, and having chemists make a difference. Yeah, um, uh, I, just one more point. It, we often hear of the, as I think Jeff brought it up, the 2018 Pharma Bill. Um, that's a federal, right? That's a federal thing. But here we are in the state of Utah, and are there regulations? We've talked about what the state of Utah has for testing, but is that does that meet 
federal standards, or is there even a federal standard? I'll weigh in. So there is a federal standard, but mostly the Department of Agriculture federally has left it up to states to determine how to actually administer the programs. And so there is federal rules, but they're pretty loosey-goosey at the moment. Which is not dissimilar from most things where the, the federal law is, is potentially superseded by state law. And I think the regulation in most cases is state law just has to be as restrictive as federal, but you can be more restrictive. And that's where I think Utah has done a great job. We've talked about that in other podcasts where, you know, the, the journey from, you know, how they were you know going to, you know, where they pivoted from the dispensary model to the, the, the pharmacy model for medical cannabis and what regulations they put in on CBD. Again, we've talked about that. So we can, you know, if you have any questions, revisit that podcast. But uh, I, I would say, fortunately, I mean, we live in Utah, which is great, but I think Utah is ahead of the curve in terms of ensuring consistency and quality of product. All right. So can we get to like the elephant in the room? It's, sure. It's literally all the machines. So, oh, I'm glad it wasn't me. <laughs> now, now. No, no, no. Dude, no. <laughs> no, but your pants are too tight. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> okay. Wait a minute and hold what? Okay. Let's talk about some of these machines. Um, Blake, can, can you kind of give us an idea of what some of them do? Uh, or, or where we would start in this room and what would happen. So we're in a room right now where we actually create the distillates, but we also do a process called decarboxylation in this room. And we also do terpene removal. So the terpenes, we don't want them. Well, you want maybe some of them. So we do. Okay. Terpenes just are flavonoids, meaning that they give it a particular flavor. Um, it's the same class of compounds that when you think about like lavender, okay, medicinal smells and things like that, those are all terpenes. Um, one of the most common that people encounter um, is pinene, right? Alpha pinene smells like pine. Oh, trees. how lovely. Right. Cannabis produces a lot of different terpenes, some of them very similar to other plants as well. In fact, they're the same molecules just coming from the cannabis plant versus a pine tree. Right. So a lot of a lot of cannabis has alpha pinene or beta pinene in it. Um, So we want to remove those terpenes because not all terpenes are good. Some of them smell awful. Some of them may have sulfur. Some of them may be um, we have a lot of terms that we use in here that are probably not appropriate for for a family show. Um, But, uh, you know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you Jeff might have to beat some him. of those. Um, but some of them are awful. And, you know, the sulfur-related ones can actually cause health harm. And so we pull those out, and then we put them back in to give it specific flavorings. And so it's still the natural flavorings that go back in to give it a particular, you know, Blake, feel. Yeah, Blake, it's interesting. There are a lot of people that we've encountered over the last four years that say terpenes are active ingredients and make CBD better. Um, yeah, what's your take on that? Um, I think about it a lot like lavender. I'm never going to say lavender doesn't work. There are millions of people on this planet that believe that lavender helps calm them, helps do, do all kinds of things. My issue is I can't prove it in a laboratory. I can't hook somebody up to a neural net 
when they take lavender and get the same brain readings every time. I can't take a pharmacokinetic analysis of their blood and determine that it was metabolized exactly the same every single time. So whether lavender has medicinal effects or not, I can't scientifically prove that. Um, And so um, for me, terpenes are a nice additive that give you the experience you want to have with the product. But really, we focus on cannabinoids because we do have dose relationships with those. I can see exactly 25 milligrams having a physiological effect and what pathway that effect occurs down. Awesome. And so what we want to do is we want to put a pause right in here and we're going to put, uh, make this one podcast and then we're going to come back with another version of part two of this, of this podcast. So we're going to come back at you soon. Is that all right, Danelle? I guess we are going to leave people hanging on their, their seats. I'm so sorry. You don't get to hear what's in the room. I love it. Oh, gosh come back again right but thank you for listening and uh, we hope you want to uh, join us for when we talk about what's in the room farm to formulation part two thank you for listening to you me and cbd please refer and friend or write a short review and if you're in the salt lake city area we'd welcome you to stop by our farmer and chemist store or you can always go to farmerandchemist.com